0: Hello and welcome to the Program Your Life podcast. Come with me on a journey of self exploration, overcoming obstacles, and learning to believe in yourself. I'm your host, Joe Parker. Join me and my beautiful wife, Kimberly, as we explore what it takes to achieve our dreams, overcome our fears and doubts, and have some fun along the way. It's sure to be a roller coaster ride, and we are happy to share it with you. Now stay tuned for an exciting episode of the Program Your Life Podcast. Hello and welcome. This is Joe Parker from the Program Your Life Podcast. I'm so glad you could make it today. I'm here with my wife, Kimberly. And today we're going to have a little bit of fun with some of the characters from her play, Lost in Sound. I'm going to be able to interview some of her characters and she's going to respond as the character might respond. So we'll get a chance to get to know her characters a little more and she'll be able to have some fun and we can learn something about hearing loss along the way. Should be a really good time. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off and let Kimberly explain how this is going to work.
1: So I have this idea for presenting and teaching people more about hearing loss. My play is one way to reach people and to raise awareness. And it's also it's a different kind of art forum and it's 80 minutes long and it's there's people are already asking me, can you do something shorter? Can you just do like a half an hour or different presentations? So I'm thinking of ways that I can continue to advocate and educate with respect to hearing loss and do it in a way that's fun and interesting and creative, not just for audience members who are watching me. Also for me as the artist Because honestly, I'm not really interested in standing in front of an audience and doing PowerPoint presentations. That's boring to me. So I came up with this idea of responding to the audience's questions as different characters in my play, talking about experiences from their perspective. And perhaps I could do a 30-minute presentation where I give short little clips uh, the characters from the play with something they say, and then I could open it up to the audience to ask those characters questions and then respond from the character's point of view.
0: No, well, That's a great idea. I mean, maybe we could just kind of play around with that a little bit. Like, for example, if, if I were an audience member and, let's say, for example, I would ask a question. Okay, so how did you come up with the character, Dr. Weissmann, and how did she get to be in the play? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I will answer as, as the playwright, I will tell you, and then I will introduce Dr. Weissman. Okay. That idea is to deliver factual information that will inform the audience of actual facts in a way that's interesting and provocative and not just words on a screen. And also so that it's something the audience can respond and relate to, because people don't really want to be preached at and taught stuff. So by introducing this character, Dr. Weissman, who's a doctor of audiology, it's a much more interesting and approachable way to learn about factual information. And so um, I'll bring Dr. Weissman out, and you can ask her a few questions. Hello? Hello? My name is Dr. Ingrid Weissman, and I am the head of the audiology department at Acoustic University. And I am here to answer any questions you may have about hearing loss. Do I have any questions from the audience, please?
0: Yes. Hi, I am someone who knows someone with hearing loss. Oh, welcome, welcome. And one of the problems I have is it seems like she wants me to do a lot of the extra work. For example, I'll be in the house, and she'll yell a question at me from the other room. And when I yell the question back, she's like, well, you know I can't hear you unless you're in the same room with me. So um, is there something that I can do to kind of communicate that with her without making her feel bad about the hearing and making her feel like it's all her fault or something? Because I don't want to be the bad guy, but at the same time, she's... She's expecting me to do more, and sometimes it's frustrating for me.
1: That is a very good question, and that is a question I I hear a lot. Um, As the partner, you want to be supportive and um, compassionate and understanding, and yet it's a lot of extra work for you. So my suggestion is to talk about it uh, at a neutral time, when the partner is not needing the extra hearing help and explain that things will be a little different. When you start um, acknowledging the problem, then together you can come up with solutions and communication about how the solutions will happen is very important. So to have a discussion about this and, and explain just what you told me, And say, please, when you need the help, come into the room where I am, I'm busy doing something. You come to me and ask the question and not expect me to run around the house to find you, to help you. The other idea is when someone is asking for extra help, you may want to say, especially if the person is not treating the hearing loss, because this is very common. Denial is very, very common. And a lot of partners are frustrated because the person will not get help, get hearing aids. And they are doing a lot of work as the interpreter. So you can say hearing help whenever you are asked to help. And, and it, I would have a discussion that I will be doing this. Tell them before you start doing this new behavior. Um, To help you understand how much I am working to help you here, I am going to say hearing help very kindly, nicely, not sarcastically or in the angry voice. And that will um, help them understand just how much they are asking for help. When you say hearing help, your phone is ringing. Hearing help, I'm repeating this a third time. Hearing help, someone is at the door. Hearing help, so you see, uh, that can be helpful to help them get out of denial and begin to understand that, yes, they are needing a lot of help and you are the one doing all the work.
0: Oh, I see. So one of the things that I could potentially do when someone talks to me from the other room is I could yell back hearing help and then they would understand that I would have to come to them in order to answer that question.
1: If they hear, you say hearing help. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So so I just wish you all the luck with that. I would try that suggestion and see how it goes. Let me know. I have a website. um, It's on the back of the program. And keep in touch with me. I would really like to know how that is working for you. Are there any other questions from the audience for any of the characters? Yes?
0: Well, I'd like to actually ask Dr. Weissman another question. Oh, of course. So, how did you get your name Dr. Weissman? Is there any significance to the name?
1: Well, I am of German descent, and that is the the family I was born into, is Weissman. Mm. I also happen to think that I am very wise. So, to answer your question, if you have a question for the playwrights, it may be a different answer. However, from... For me as a person, that is just the name I was, I was born into the family.
0: But how would you pronounce it if you weren't from Germany?
1: Weissmann would be the American pronunciation.
0: Weissmann. Ah, I yes. see. So it's so, a wise person.
1: Yes, now I'm speaking from the playwright's perspective. And I chose that name because of the connotation to being wise, that this doctor of audiology has a lot of experience and information to share with people and that she is a wise. So do you have any questions for me the playwright or any of the characters?
0: Well, I'd actually like to ask a question of your mother and what I would like to know is how the relationship has changed over time and how specifically did you feel when Kimberly got her cochlear implant, and you had not gotten it yet.
1: Hello. How are you, Joe? Oh,
0: very good.
1: (laughs) Well, I've known you for a long time, about 30 years. As you know, Kimberly and I have always been very, very close. We've always had a very deep, deep connection, which I attribute to both having hearing loss. So many similarities, being able to understand where we're coming from, um, that, that common bond, the pain of not being able to understand in family situations, and that has connected us because hearing loss is so isolating. So in answer to your question, how did I feel when my daughter got the cochlear implant? I felt left out. At first, because she was understanding so much and there was no one stopping to let me in on what was happening. And I would watch you and Kimberly and the boys commensurate and talk about an issue and she would jump right in and be able to understand and to respond and communicate in a way that neither of us have ever been able to do. And while I really enjoyed watching her be engaged in that way and be able to hear and communicate and understand, I felt left out and I even felt a bit scared because our relationship was changing. In that there just wasn't that common understanding anymore. It's 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 difficult to understand or explain because while Kimberly one-on-one, I, I still felt that connection and that bond. It was just that in family situations, we'd always sit together. We'd always be able to go off in a corner and hear and understand and, and understand how you have to communicate in a different way to connect we understood that together because we both had hearing loss. And so in family situations, we would just come together and not feel so alone. When you'd get off by yourself in a family situation without anyone else to commensurate with or understand or communicate with, it was very lonely and very isolating because family members come together and they want to talk and catch up. And if you don't understand how to include that member that has hearing loss... It's very lonely for them. And I, I happen to know that my daughter, at the end, when she became deaf, started to pull back and isolate and not even want to go to family gatherings because it was so lonely and painful and isolating. And However, if she could bring mom with her, and I've been around your family for a long, long time, and everyone's always included me, as long as we were together, it was it was Okay. Because we had each other. So once she became hearing, that was missing. That I, I was cut off from that. Does that answer your question?
0: Yes, thank you very much. So you felt you had that kind of one-on-one time with her, so you could relate when you couldn't communicate with the larger group. And, and then when she could communicate with the larger group, you didn't have anyone to, to really communicate one-on-one with.
1: Exactly. And I also felt totally left out because there she was answering questions, hearing and responding and engaging. And I loved to watch that because she was clearly happy and it felt wonderful for her. I loved to watch that. However, on the other side, it was like, now what? You know, who am I going to have to be my buddy? I'm not understanding anything that you're saying and no one's stopping to include me.
0: Right, whereas Kimberly, I think, would do a good job of asking for people to stop and include her in the the conversation, and when, when she could hear, she wasn't doing that as much, so it was up to you to do that then, right?
1: Yeah, probably. I would say that my daughter has always been better at advocating for herself than I have. Yes, and initially... She was so excited, I believe, at this newness in her life of being able to understand speech and and feel like part of the group, if you will, that at first she did not make an attempt to include me. However, over time, I believe that she she realized I was being left out. And then she really made the effort to say, stop, everyone. Let's include mom. Um, Mom, this is what we're saying. I remember she would she would write things on a pad. Where she'd sit next to me, and she'd write some, something down. What's going on, so that I could be included, and that felt mm. that felt really good. It's just that initially, that first, I I don't know, a month, I was really on the outs, and um, she shared with me later that she could see that I was missing things, and she she made the effort to include me. Mm. I just think at first it just felt so wonderful for her to be able to understand and and connect with her own family which I understood absolutely
0: okay so I have a question for Simon which I know is a uh, a combination of both your sons put together so can you tell me from Simon's perspective some of the tricks and things that you would use to kind of take advantage of your mother's hearing loss as you were growing up (laughs) oh man
2: You're trying to get me in trouble, huh? (laughs) Uh,
0: I think uh, everybody pretty much knows what's going on now.
2: Well, all right, I'll tell one. You know, it was easy to take advantage of my mom because she couldn't hear. So, like, she could not do more than one thing at a time. You know how some hearing people can cook dinner and carry on a conversation, right? Sure. Well, my mom could never do that because she'd have to stop whatever she's doing and turn and look at you, you know, just to get a few words out of a sentence. So it was a perfect opportunity to get what I wanted, you know, when she was busy, when she was cooking a meal or there was a time constraint and she couldn't just stop whatever she was doing and turn and give me her full attention to be able to hear and communicate. So, I remember one time in particular, well, um, I don't remember what it was I wanted, but, you know, kids want stuff and their parents, you know, you got to manipulate sometimes to get what you want. So, she was really busy doing something and I was just talking gibberish. I mean, I wasn't even using real words (laughs) because I wanted something and, you know, she would say, what? And I was like... Uh, and she's like I, I don't understand what are you saying and I'd say but just just gibberish man not even making any sense at all and and she'd usually just say okay fine whatever just go go I, I gotta get dinner on um, and then get you to your soccer practice and fine whatever and so you know I'd get a lot of stuff my way that way well one day I don't know what she decided to do this but for some reason she stopped what she was doing and she looked at me and she said I really want to hear what you're saying please repeat that very slowly so I can understand and respond to you and I was like oh shit (laughs) I'd been caught and my eyes got really big and I said very slowly these gibberish words, like, I got da da, hoping it would save my ass, and she'd just say, okay, I don't understand what you're saying, you know, go ahead and go. But she's like, I don't understand what you're saying, could you say that slower, please? And I'm like, sweating bullets now, and shit. So I say it a little slower, and oh my god, she, her eyes got really big, and, and she said, are you speaking gibberish to me? I'm like, uh, yeah, and she flew off the handle. Oh, my God,
1: how could you do that? I can't believe you're speaking gibberish to me. How? Oh.
2: I felt so bad. She's just like,
1: don't ever do that to me again. That's just so unfair. You know I can't understand, and now you're speaking gibberish. And...
2: Well, anyway, so needless to say, I never did it again. <laughs> I felt like such a heel. I mean, I was totally taking advantage of this woman who could not understand and um, and I got caught, and so that was one of the tricks I, I used to use, but I felt so bad after doing that that I just, I never did it again.
0: Well, thank you, Simon. That was a very honest answer to that question. I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. Uh, and I want to thank Kimberly for sharing with us a little bit of perspective of the roles in your play and answering questions as your characters. Do you have any final thoughts here since we need to wrap up? Okay,
1: well, you're very welcome. (laughs) This is the first time I've ever done that, and that was fun. Mm
0: -hmm. That,
1: to me, is fun and creative, and it's a way to inform people, and it's a way for them to connect to real people, having real experiences from different perspectives um, to have empathy, to have understanding, to find some humor, the humanity in it all, and learn in that way. To me, that's so much more fun and challenging and interesting to me as a creative person than to tell you a PowerPoint
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know, teach you about all this stuff in a very dogmatic way. So I'm glad we, we played with this. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks for asking the questions, and uh, I hope that our listeners found something interesting and entertaining and informative in what we just shared today.
0: So I want to thank everyone for listening, and uh, this is Joe and Kimberly Parker for the Program Your Life podcast. I also want to point out that the podcast is now on Speak Up talk radio network so you can find our podcast there as well as on our website programyourlife.org and then if you have any questions about Kimberly's play you want to find out when it will be next presented you go to lostinsound.biz and we will talk to you again soon well that's our show for today thank you so much for tuning in We were so happy to be able to share this episode of the Program Your Life podcast with you. Make sure to check us out at ProgramYourLife.org. You can always find our podcasts there. We're also going to have the podcasts on iTunes in the iTunes store under podcasts and then there'll be some on our YouTube channel so look for us online and we will talk to you again very very soon thank you so much to the Program Your Life podcast until next time this is Joe Parker signing off bye bye